Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, you goddamn spectacular people, and welcome to the podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Cues, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam Hurley, and I am joined this week by the most gingerous princess in all of the universe, Stacey Hurley. How are you, Stacey? I'm super excited to be here reviewing this movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. And the reason why this episode is so goddamn spectacular and special is because we are joined by John Mark Jenkins. John, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are y'all? Oh, awesome, man. Really, yeah. Really excited about this. So glad we could get you on the show. Yeah, I'm super stoked to be here. I'm super stoked to hear that uh, Stacey is excited about this movie because (laughs) I inflicted it upon you guys, I'm pretty sure. Uh, You sent me, I sent you a list of movies that I was uh, open to doing, and and this was the one that y'all selected. So hopefully it's a nice compromise of things that we're all sort of somewhat interested in it was funny because the other options were like phantom menace and uh indiana jones <laughs> and for me phantom menace was an immediate rule out i was like nah once is enough i forgot <laughs> i'm never gonna see that again whether or not you rewatch it though i think you should do an episode on phantom menace you, you just got to get those demons out somehow and the podcasting platform is the best way to do it right that's, it is a good point. Ooh, that is a good point. It's a good challenge. I think we we can organise that. <laughs> oh god damn it! It won't inflict as much pain on me as it will on Sam, and I I, I'd enjoy that. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's like the world's getting up on me, man. Like literally, all the most recent movies I've watched have just been so mediocre. And well, that's why I'm glad that we're doing this one, which is obviously as we as we mentioned, one new picks. Now, is there any particular reason why? Is it? You know, like a favorite or anything? It's not a favorite or anything. I really, really enjoy this movie. Uh, it just so happens to be the 10-year anniversary of this movie, roughly. I mean, we're I think we're past that point. It came out in May of 2009. Uh, but it coincidentally just so happens to be the movie that my now wife and I saw the night before we started dating. And by oh. night before, I mean, we saw that movie. We went back to some someone's apartment in college with some friends, hung out, and then, like, the clock struck midnight and went into the next day. And then sometime during the wee hours of the morning there, we started dating. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that sounds, that sounds like a more exciting story than it actually is, but, it, it yeah, I don't... I don't mean what that implied, but yeah, we started dating after this movie. So it's always, it was kind of used as the marker for months into our relationship. We forgot like how long we had been dating or when we started dating. And I was like, well, it was the night that Star Trek came out. And I actually remembered the re- the premiere date of Star Trek and not the day we started dating. So we always use it as kind of like the reference point, essentially. So other than that, it's not very special. <laughs> oh. Oh, I love that personal connection. So if people out there haven't seen the 2009 reboot of Star Trek, Stacey's going to hit you with a plot of the movie if you're not planning on seeing it. But we want to listen to the podcast anyway. So Stacey, what is the plot of Star Trek? The brash James T. Kirk tries to live up to his father's legacy with Mr. Spock keeping him in check as a vengeful Romulan from the future creates black holes to destroy the Federation one planet at a time. Yeah, that pretty that's much sums really it up. That's really simplistic. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the, the movie. Yeah. That's the quickest one you've ever come up with, Stacey. It's great. Hello. Looking at the reviews for this movie, IMDb have it at 8 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes at 94%, but we'll start with you, John. What would you give this as a score out of 10,000 Klingons? I think I would give it 93 137 Klingons. I think Whoa, that's Tomatoes, a lot of Klingons. It's a lot of Klingons. I think Rotten Tomatoes has this about right if you expand their thing out to, you know, it, as in a thousand score instead of out of a hundred. It's in my top 100. You you and I recorded portion of my top 100 movies ever, Sam, on my 100th episode yep. ever. I don't think this one was on your portion of the list, but I can't remember. But it's in like the 60s to 70s range for me. It's just a, a fun popcorn movie with lots of references to a property that I'm not like, I wouldn't call myself a Trekkie by any means, but I like Star Trek. Like, What about you, Stacey? As someone who's not like a Trekkie, and and was almost adamant about not watching this. Yeah, well, you know, I did. I really enjoyed it. But my score is closer to the IMDb folk. I'm going with 7,888, which is quite a good score for me for this movie. Yeah, you're not one to score movies too high, are you? So that's quite... 
Yeah, that's quite impressive for you. Yeah. I'm going to give it 8,498. Mm. Yeah, it's like an 8.5 for me. It's a really good film. We'll get into that in a little bit more depth because what we do on this podcast is we, we start off by answering 10 questions that can be applied to any film. We then move into our personal questions and we finish on our listener questions. And the one we always start with is compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film. Now, John, why don't you lead us off with your compliment sandwich? Yeah, so my first uh, one thing good would be the timeline idea here is genius the whole we're going to have a movie that's a reboot but it's also kind of a sequel of the original trilogy it satisfies the trekkie nerds so that they don't feel that everything that they've watched for decades no longer matters and Mm. it's a great way to introduce the casual fan and casual moviegoer to these characters more movies should do this more universes should do this and the mcu is sort of done something similar with the you know the end game events so Mm. uh in a way, Star Trek kind of started that. So I think that's genius. My bad thing would be, I realize it's the future and all, but uh, some of the military standards and promotion policies in this movie <laughs> don't make any sense whatsoever. There's no scenario where a cadet would be plucked from a military academy and then be able to make captain of a ship like mere <laughs> days later. That is, that's not how the military works in any military as far as I know. So Maybe the New Zealand military. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of bonkers. And then the third thing and final compliment would be kind of what I said with my score. It's a fun movie. Like, it's one of the better, like, popcorn movies. Like, I would put mm. this and Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and only that one, really, on the same level of just, <laughs> it reaches mass audiences. It appeals to the people who are really into it with all the references to older episodes. And, you know, they make a reference to that one guy's beagle. That's a thing, apparently, mm. that I know is a thing, but I don't know enough about that thing to really, like, really appreciate it. But I appreciate that there are nerds who do appreciate it. Yeah, that's good points. What about you, Stace? My first good thing is the opening sequence with Chris Hemsworth. Oh, God. And old Jennifer Morrison having her baby under dramatic circumstances. It's the best opening sequence I've ever seen in one of these movies. I was hooked from the start. I thought, wow, this movie can't be bad. As I mentioned, Stacey was a bit sort of anti watching this. She was like, yeah. really? Really? Star Trek? Really? And I was like, Chris Hemsworth is in it. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, cool. Okay. There you go. Sold. Excellent. Of course. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth before he was Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Exactly. My bad thing was just, it was hard to pick a bad thing, because like you said, it's a great, fun popcorn movie, but I'm just going to go with the flick of the switch of the friendship between Kirk and Spock. They were rivals, and then, oh, okay, no, let's get together, be friends, and work together on this. (laughs) I was like, okay, I understand you need to do that for the story. But my final good thing is this was just really enjoyable overall, lighthearted, easy to understand for someone who doesn't know these characters or know these movies and just enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, this one's easy for me. I was always a Star Wars fan. Star Trek was always seen as like a bit nerdy and a bit uncool. Like even even when you're a Star Trek, a Star Wars nerd, you still look at the Trekkies and think, ha ha, nerds. <laughs> not <laughs> realizing. So true. It's so true. Not realizing you're more close to them than you are to close to cool people. But <laughs> but it makes it makes like it makes Star Trek cool. Like it still has a level of like scientifically nerdy sort of stuff in there, but it just makes it cool. Uh, the bad thing for me, Eric Bana was ultimately forgettable as the villain. There was some massive. Jumping logics with him, and I don't know. Like you summed it up today when we we watched it a couple of weeks ago before we recorded, and I even said to you, well, like, we were just chatting, and you said, "Who's Eric Barner? Who does he play?" I was like, "He's the villain." And you're like, "Who's the villain?" It's <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, okay. But still, we like he did a decent enough job, and I'm sort of picking holes in a movie that's pretty good. I mean, that, if that's the worst I can come up with, then so be it. Because my final good thing is the casting. I mean, these guys are iconic characters who, regardless of how little you know about the Star Trek universe, you know who Captain Kirk is, you know who Spock is at the very least. And to get Chris Pine in that role, playing and making his own character, that's awesome. And to get Zachary Quinto is an inspired casting. There's no one else on this planet that could have played Spock as good as him, I don't think. He was outstanding. Yeah, you're spot on with the casting. Without even seeing them do anything, you can just look at them and be like, that's Kirk, that's Spock, that's Bones, that's Scotty. They nailed it with just even the look. Yeah, man. Cool, and that moves us on to question number two. So what is it, Stace? Which character would fart in a crowded place and not care? <laughs> Start us off, Sam. You know oh. a lot about this by the sound. Thanks. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to go with the kids that bully Spock. They're a bunch of little shits. They're telling him his mother's a whore or, his, or his, that sleeps with aliens or whatever. They don't give a shit about anything. Yeah. What about you, Dom? I, I went with the also easy answer of Spock himself. I feel like if asked... <laughs> Hey, who farted? He would say, hey, it's a natural occurrence for organisms with sphincters, and it should not be delayed based simply on the location of said organism. But something tells me that, uh, (laughs) but something tells me that bones wouldn't care either. If he farted in a oh. in a crowded place, like he's like, get over it. I don't care. <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> oh, that is an excellent answer. And it looks like we're going for the Vulcans all round because I I picked Spock Prime uh, for the reason that he's old and old people stop caring after a while <laughs> and just go for it. <laughs> so. That's definitely the best answer. <laughs> yeah. Combo of old people and logical people. Yeah, yeah. one. There you go. <laughs> well done. You you win that round, Stace. Anywho, what's question number three there, John? What deep philosophical debate arose in you while watching this film? I was a bit apprehensive to watch this movie because it's such a phenomenon and the fandom surrounding Star Trek and Star Wars and all that stuff is so strong. I kind of thought, oh, I don't know if this is for me. Just, you know, a regular person off the street. <laughs> I found I found that to be quite intimidating. What I was thinking is, is that putting me off watching some other movies? Am I missing out on some movies because I'm mm. just writing them off based on intimidation? <laughs> I love that. That sounds like you really took that question to heart. Like uh, you really did an introspective there. Yeah. I did not. (laughs) I mean, I guess you could say mine is, but it's really more jokey. I just thought as soon as Spock Prime enters the mix, I just thought to myself, would I want to meet my future self? Like, what if he's just a a dick and a piece of shit and like he lost his job and his family? Like, how would that affect me personally? And then the flip side, what if he was awesome and everything I wanted to be? Would would that make me just like coast as a person thinking that I'm going to reach that no matter what? It really, it, it, it really threw me for a loop. That's a good one, man. That's a good one. That is quite deep. Yeah, those are quite deep. Mine sure as hell isn't. Okay, hit us with it, Sam. There's laws around sex, and rightfully so. My my idea is that in the future, right, there's Vulcans and humans having sex. There's Captain Kirk having sex with some green chick. I was wondering if they have laws around sexuality in the future as to what aliens you're allowed to sleep with or what you aren't. Like, is there a test that you've got to pass in order for you to be able to have sexual relations with that? I can't even finish talking. <laughs> I don't know. And that moves us on to the first of our Patreon questions, which are questions that for the princely sum of $5 a month, you get to have your question in our top 10. This first one comes courtesy of Dave Baker, who has his own Patreon as well. Check it out at patreon.com forward slash your favorite, on which he hosts a whole bunch of awesome, awesome stuff. It's really good. You guys should definitely check it out. And what he would like to know is which character would have the biggest social media presence and on what platform? Well, the most exciting social media presence. I, I'm going with Uhura. If, if that's how you pronounce it. Mm. And she's going to have... God damn, she would, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm going to keep it clean. She's she's going to have a glamorous ladies of science Instagram account. Because <laughs> she's really the only chick in this of any note. Are you saying you forgot Winona Ryder's character of Spock's mum? <laughs> no, I, I know they're in there briefly. There's another one. There's another one that would have a big social media presence. Ooh. The green girl that Kirk sleeps with at, yes. at the Academy. She's definitely got Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. Like, she's got it all, man. And as soon as she finds out that, you know, she slept with Cadet Kirk, who is now Captain Kirk, she's going to be just tweeting that thing out like... Like a wildfire, man. Yeah, man, that's a good answer. That's a real good answer. Yeah, she'll be a social media influencer. I can picture that. Yeah, she's an influencer. Whatever yeah. <laughs> the fuck that means. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that, but... For me, Reddit loves absolutely ripping the piss out of Neil deGrasse Tyson and all his tweets about, you know, like space and science and all that sort of stuff. I can imagine Reddit absolutely ripping the piss out of Spock on Twitter. You know, like basically Spock just doing all these Spockisms of logical conclusions about the space and universe. Sure, he's going to have a whole bunch of people who are smart following him and saying these are amazing. At the same time, he's going to have a whole bunch of people going, oh, look at me. I'm so smart. Woo. <laughs> That's true. He would be very, like, memeable in today's yeah. culture. Oh, like, yes. without trying to be. It'd be a lot of Spock being genuine about something, and then we would absolutely tear it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. 
And that moves us on to question number five, this is. Okay, question five. What's something in this film that you noticed that you don't think many other people would have immediately noticed? So I don't know if other people notice this or not, and it may it can be explained away, but I like to think that it can't. At the beginning, that great opening that you were referring to, Stacey, uh, as Kirk is James Kirk is being born into this world, Chris Hemsworth, his dad, asks his wife, What is it? Asking like whether it's a boy or a girl, essentially. Are you telling me they don't have the technology hundreds of years from now to be able to <laughs> determine that before the birth? I realize people choose not to know. But I don't know. That just seemed like he, he, he seemed very genuinely interested. Like, is it a boy or is it a girl? And she says it's a boy. And I just feel like they would have known that. How awesome would it have been if she's like, it's a Klingon. And he's like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm not the dad. All right. Well, this whole sacrifice was for nothing. <laughs> that is dangerously close to my answer. Whoa. Like literally within, hey. within the same line almost. So uh, in that exact same scene where she went once he knows it's a boy uh, Chris Hemsworth's line is it's a boy, tell me about him. In that line he slips back into an Aussie accent. <laughs> It's true. It's, it's like so noticeable if you're a New Zealander. You can easily pick up Australian accents because we get mocked about sounding like them all the time. But we can tell the difference. Of course. And he goes straight into like a real Aussie bogan accent. Like, tell me about him. <laughs> yeah. Even as a dumb American, I picked up on it a couple of times. Oh, like, oh good. Oh, so opening. other it's people like, do notice yeah. that. Oh, true. It's not so clever. <laughs> My one is... So the Star Trek ships are all beautifully lit internally, and Nero's ship isn't. It's like they've got a fucking power shortage and they've got to keep all their lights off or whatever, right? Because it's real dark in there and shit like that. Kind of like, you know, these are the good guys. They're all light and happy and bright and sparkly. These are the dark guys. It's all dark and glary. And then I was like, as soon as I noticed that, I was like, fuck, that's the same in Star Wars. That's the same in so many other things. Like, you get the sense of foreboding and scariness and all that sort of shit when shit's dark. Mm, you just had point. an epiphany. I did. Massive epiphany. <laughs> Can I swap yeah, out my debate where I, I talk about sexual intercourse <laughs> of <laughs> goddamn aliens? Yeah, you've gone from one extreme to the other. <laughs> Oops. And question number six that comes up soon is also a Patreon question that comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins, who hosts the Tasteless Podcast, podcast in which she uh, goes to bat for a movie that most people have forgotten about, don't like, and she thinks underrated, against a movie that everybody loves that she thinks is maybe overrated. But yeah, they typically have a similar theme. But uh, yeah, what question would she like to know there, John? Which character has probably gone the longest without showering? I wouldn't be surprised if we all have this. Spock Prime has been trapped on a planet in an ice cave <laughs> maybe it takes a polar bath oh that's yeah. true but all that being said he does know that there's a star trek base you know like quite near to where him and kirk end up he never <laughs> thinks to himself hey i should probably go tell starfleet about this goddamn psychopath that's come back through time and it's going to blow up everything mm, yes dubious i'm going for scotty and it's for similar because he's just out there on an ice island on his own just mucking around oh he's got his mate with him yeah his little mate yeah but um yeah, I don't think he really sees the need to, probably, because he's not surrounded by other people. I went with uh, with Nero and his whole crew, essentially, so none of us <laughs> have the same answer here, actually, Sam. So, oh, wow, that's uh, amazing. First of, all, first of all, they're minors, and minors are just, like, dirty, normally. <laughs> Second of all, I mean, <laughs> that's just facts, man. Putting minors Second on blast, all, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I don't know how many showers are on board. And he, you know, he's, he's just had one thing that he's wanted to do in space for 20, he's out of time. He, ha he has no need to impress anyone. His, his wife and kids died on the planet that blew up, you mm. know, in his timeline. So he's just out there waiting for Spock to come back and, and just think about revenge and not showering. So I feel like it's Nero. Oh that, yeah. That that's... ship must stink <laughs> so bad. Oh my God. It's true. That's a good answer, mate. And that moves us on to question number seven, which makes a triumphant return to the podcast. What flavour pizza is this film? I'm just going with the pepperoni pizza. How plain. <laughs> so <laughs> Why are you bland laughing? and boring. <laughs> yeah, it's so plain. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, no, what am I trying to say? I'm saying, yes, it's, what it's, are you trying to it's, say? It's reliable. It's I, just, actually, I think, yeah. It's just a good, tasty yeah, pizza go. that everyone will enjoy. You know, there's nothing offensive on there. 
it's going to upset anyone unless you're a vegan. But it's a whole other story. So, um, so that's actually a really good answer. Yeah, good reasoning there. I went with a terrible pun, and I called it a Neropolitan. <laughs> and besides the terrible pun, I have no good explanation like Stacey just <laughs> That's perfect. So, That's perfect. There Enough you go. said. <laughs> yep. I went with a stuffed crust meat lover's pizza. Meat lovers because there's a whole bunch of dudes in this film and not a lot of females. <laughs> and stuffed crust because... True. You know what a meat lover's pizza is, but this is, and you know what Star Trek is, but this is a stuffed crust. This is like a little bit different. Mm. It's got a little bit extra out there for you. I'm getting hungry like now. It. Oh, it's <laughs> it is lunchtime here in New Zealand. Okay, question eight. Your favorite question. Yes, my favorite question. How would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this movie? I went back and forth on this because Nero seems like the right choice. Like it'd be fun to see Cage as the villain, like spice it up a little bit, but. What if Spock is the right answer here? Because there's a couple different ways you could look at it. It, What if Spock was turned to 11? Like this emotionless person is suddenly (laughs) like brimming with emotion. Or what if Cage was forced to rein it in and be subdued? It's really a unstoppable force meets an immovable object type of situation. (laughs) I don't know which way would win, but I'm definitely watching that movie. Oh, shit, am I ever, man. That would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going more with the Spock answer. I think that would be just such an acting challenge, and it would be so funny to watch. It would be like boiling under the surface, kind of. (laughs) Live long and prosper. (laughs) Yeah. Just wouldn't have the same meaning anymore. <laughs> no. That bit where he flips out and has that fight with Kirk and then starts beating the crap out of him, man. Who wouldn't want to see Nicolas Cage uh. be subdued for an entire <laughs> film and then just flip out? Yeah. Yeah. And then be best mates yeah. after that. Yeah. That makes perfect sense in a Nick Cage character. Yeah. Just just bros. <laughs> yeah. For a long time, I have thought of Nick Cage as an alien and... <laughs> And something that was common in the original Star Trek TV series that I remember is they they would go to these planets, right? And everyone on the planet dressed the same, looked the same, had a uniformity over an entire planet, which is phenomenal. You think about it. If you'd crash landed on Earth right now, you'd be like, why the fuck doesn't everyone look the same if you were coming from the Star Trek universe? So what I was imagining is rather than Planet of the Apes, I want Planet of the Cages. And it's an entire (laughs) planet of Nicholas Cages. And they're like this all... Oh my God all-encompassing, sentient, crazy people. And we find out that the Nicolas Cage on Earth has actually been sent here. He's been outcast from the planet of the cages because <laughs> he's too crazy. This or not is, crazy enough. He's the most cage... He's the cagiest of cages. <laughs> he is ultimate cage. He's cage prime. He's the cagiest of the cages. That's correct. Well, this may explain everything. This is going to give you nightmares tonight. <laughs> Yeah. I have fantastic news for you, Sam. Not only can you probably get that movie greenlit, Nicolas Cage will 100% do that movie. <laughs> <laughs> In half an hour with us putting this podcast on the air, somehow some screenwriter somewhere is just like, cool, writes it, Nicolas Cage will have a greenlit within a day. Oh. I love it. I, I'm just going to put him as a, one of the Vulcan panelists. So when Spock's got to stand up in front of the panel to get accepted into the Institute of science or whatever it is Mm. he's got to present um (laughs) nick cage there's a whole line of these really serious vulcan characters and one of them is nick cage that bubbling under the surface kind of trying to be serious your mother (laughs) is a human (laughs) yeah but his eyes are just doing their thing it's not bad there's really no bad place to put him in this movie (laughs) (laughs) exactly and that moves us on to question number nine there john which character would you definitely not lend $100 to? For me, it's got to be Kirk, especially at the start of the movie. He's just going out boozing and hooking up with chicks, and he's so unreliable, he'd never get it back. That's true. He'd probably take it and crash it off the side of a cliff as well. That's a good point. <laughs> For me, it's Bones. That guy flaunts all the laws in this movie. He you know, develops a bit of a man crush on Kirk and then basically infects him with a terrible disease just to get him on a ship. He's got no scruples or morals. And he's a Kiwi. And I know how bad Kiwis are at borrowing $100. (laughs) (laughs) I have to agree with Stacey here. It's definitely Kirk. Uh, He'd spin it on hookers and blow the minute he stepped foot onto the next alien planet. And there's a good chance he might have already spent it on all that before he stepped foot onto the next alien planet. He's a liability. 
ability. Oh, he is. That's a good point. And that moves us down to our final question of the ones that we all answer, which comes courtesy of Julio of the Contrarians Podcast, another absolutely amazing, awesome podcast that you guys should go and check out. Instant listens for me. I absolutely love that show. And Julio would like to know, what is our most controversial opinion about this film? I actually have two. First one, I like the lens flares. Oh, everybody shits on them. But for this movie and this movie alone, they definitely overdo it a little bit. But it it definitely gives it a, a, a unique look. Like, you know that look when you see any image from this movie and nothing else really does that. Definitely not to that level. So I, I like them. I, I don't think they're distracting. They're just enough to where you notice them. And then number two, and this might be the most controversial, especially if there are any Trekkies listening, I think Chris Pine is the best version of Captain Kirk that we've ever seen. I'm sorry. I love you, Shatner. I love you, Shatner. But in terms of, like, believability of this guy being, like, a womanizing Han Solo, like, happy-go-lucky space pirate, essentially, it's Chris Pine. I I can't really see... I mean, I can't see it because I've seen it in the original series, but it's more believable when Pine schmoozes someone than when Shatner schmoozes someone. Oh, yeah. That being said, they're both great. Yeah. They're both great. It's just Pine's more believable. I like that. I like that. What about you, Stace? You ch- touched on earlier, John, about the promotion about in the military, like the, the randomness at which people get appointed to roles. Someone's yeah. sick that day, you got <laughs> yes. a promotion, you know, whatever. Does, can anyone speak Vulcan <laughs> yeah. and Romulan? I can. Okay, you're promoted. Yeah. yeah. Who's in the room? Okay, you're promoted. <laughs> so even though Captain Kirk got plucked from Earth and brought onto the, the USS Enterprise and then was promoted to captain after only three days. And he's been fucking up the entire time. Yeah, he's just not yes. that great. But he's belligerent. Uh, but my opinion about this is it works in this movie. It's believable and you just go with it because it makes sense and we need to move on in the story. <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> I also had two. Nero and Spock are probably two of the biggest idiots in this entire film. When Nero goes back in time, has all this time and chance to go save his planet, decides not to, decides to let his planet blow up just because he's so consumed with rage about killing Spock. Same thing with Spock. Spock lands on this planet, knows he's near a starbase, doesn't think to himself, hey, I should probably go warn these people that this giant fucking Romulan spaceship is floating around wanting to destroy planets. Neither of them do that. Mm. The Nero point's great, but but Spock gets captured as soon as he comes back, so he never really has a chance to do that. And he, he doesn't get put on the ice planet until Vulcan is about to be blown up. Oh. He's held captive on Nero's ship until then. Oh, shit, yeah, that's but right. But you're spot on with Nero. You're spot on with Nero. He he just sits there for 25 years, <laughs> not doing anything except waiting on Spot to come back. So exactly, you're definitely valid. Yeah, and that moves us on to our personal questions. Questions that we throw out to the other two people to answer that we don't have to answer ourselves. So okay, guys, this one's pretty sort of straightforward. Which human character from this film is most likely to have caught some sort of funky alien disease? I'm gonna go with uh, Spock's mum. Winona Ryder. Okay, so she slept with an alien. And this is, we don't know if this is safe or not. <laughs> Based on your earlier queries. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, whoa, risky lady. Mine is another easy answer for Kirk here. I feel like he probably <laughs> contracted some alien disease before he left Earth, honestly. <laughs> like, like, before he ever entered Starfleet. He's just in Iowa chilling and either aliens are coming to him or maybe some weird like transitive property thing where he still gets it. So it's definitely Kirk. I must admit when I wrote that question, the guy that I was thinking of was Scotty because he's stuck out on that base in the middle of nowhere with his little mate. And I was thinking, hmm, (laughs) gets pretty lonely out there in space. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, question number two from me. J.J. Abrams in this film and in subsequent films, although I know Justin Lin directed the last one of these, is and it still used Beastie Boys songs, but uh, yeah, basically J.J. Abrams is convinced that Beastie Boys will still be a thing in a couple of hundred years. Now, what band from our time do you guys legitimately believe will be a thing in a couple of hundred years? People will be playing their music similar to how that we do with like Beethoven or Mozart or something like that. So I thought long and hard about this question because I've actually read a book where they kind of almost danced around this question a little bit. Most obvious answer is the Beatles, right? Yeah. But that's not where I'm going to go. There's a very real possibility now that Kanye West could one day become president, I guess. (laughs) And if that happens, and if that happens, his music before 
I'm assuming during and after his presidency would be studied in like, you know, future historic his, history scholar type situations. His inaugural address might be just a, a rap verse. So I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> Very real possibility now. Yes. Oh my goodness. I, I live in the country that that could happen in, so I'm way more terrified, trust me. Yeah. Wow. I didn't pick a band, but I've got a song that I think is going to pop up in the movies 200 years from now. Gangnam style. What? And it's like, why Why was it popular when it came out? So why not be popular in 200 years? It's not even popular today. No, no, we're not popular. That wasn't the question. It's still around, still a thing. Its shelf life has been, what, all of two years probably? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I know it's older than that, but it, it lasted like two years as a phenomenon. Yeah. So we'll inevitably go through like the retro phase, then like the re-re-retro phase. <laughs> so you're banking on just us re-re-retroing for hundreds of years yeah. now. It's not a bad it's not a bad bet, honestly. That moves me on to my final question. I wanna know from all the characters in this film, which one do you reckon believes the earth is flat? This is a really difficult question because all of their characters yes. have been to space and seen planets. That's why I want to see how creative I can get you guys on this one. <laughs> I'm just gonna drop Kirk in it. What? He, he he just is you know oh, how do I explain it? He's just a bit of a dumbass in some ways. I just think that maybe he's got some different views on things. He is a bit of a contrarian as well. So I could imagine him arguing that it's flat just for the sake of being an arsehole. Also, he grew up in Iowa (laughs) and Iowa is pretty fucking flat. So he would, yeah, if he didn't branch out, he would just think that, yeah, that's the the earth, I guess. I went with, uh, with a different character. A short-lived character. I said the red suit guy who dies while space skydiving. (laughs) One, because I felt like we had to mention red shirts at some point in this episode and how they just are the first ones to die always. But two, he doesn't have great spatial awareness. He deploys his parachute at 50 meters, I believe. (laughs) Less than 50 meters, I believe, from like the spot he's supposed to land on after falling literally thousands of meters. So... He seems like a guy who you could convince is yeah. that the earth is flat. <laughs> Deploy a shoot. Nah, bro, I'm cool. <laughs> All good. And that moves us over to John for his set of three questions. All right. So my first question. What character would you most like to watch a reality TV show about? I want to see a reality TV show around Scotty. That guy is beaming beagles into the middle of nowhere and then not coming back or having incidents <laughs> with it. And he's just he's just fun, likable man. Who doesn't like Simon Pegg? He's just he's relatable. He's enjoyable. He's funny. He's everything you want. A reality TV show. I did think about keeping up with the Kirkians, but nah, nah. Definitely Scotty. <laughs> oh, that's a great show. By the way, <laughs> keeping up with the Kirkians. I'd like to watch a reality show about Spock. He's by far and away the most interesting character because he's a mixture of human and Vulcan. He's got different elements. He's not pure anything, any one way. Right. That's a good idea, too. I just picture that show, like, yeah, the, the the camera crew is just filming him around his apartment, just going around, like, straightening pictures and, like, <laughs> washing dishes. Like, just very, like, OCD stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could almost be, like, a documentary style. This is the day in the life of someone with OCD. Yeah. Spock in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Those are great answers. Which brings us to question number 15, where I asked you guys to recast the main group from Seinfeld, so Jerry, Elaine, George, Kramer, and Newman, using J.J. Abrams' versions of the Star Trek characters. Jerry always struck me as a bit of a womanizing, like, cocky asshole. So, I mean, that's obvious. It's Kirk. Elaine was always... Kind of a bit crazy, but still, like, probably the sanest one of the groups. So that's going to be a horror. George was always this self-deprecating arsehole who, you know, nothing ever went right for him. So that's definitely Bones. Kramer. Yes. Kramer was insane. So I'm going to go with Scotty. And then Newman, who was Jerry's rival? It's got to be Spock. A lot of thought went into that, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> All of 20 seconds. I just picked a bunch of Star Trek characters who I thought would make a good sitcom, and they loosely relate to the Seinfeld (laughs) characters. So please don't read too much into it. But anyway, for Jerry, I'm going 
for with bones. For Elaine, I'm going with uh, Winona Kirk, so Kirk's mum. Shit, okay. <laughs> Kramer. Kramer's going to be Scotty. And, oh, whoops, I've missed Miss George. George is Sulu. We really? Have Sulu, John Cho. Yeah. Newman's just going to be the random Russian guy, Chekhov. Did you, like, put all these names into a name generator and just pick what came out? <laughs> kind of. I thought, who haven't we talked much about? Well, let's bring them Let's bring them in. There we go. Yeah, that's that, a good way to look at it. That's the prime Stacey moment where she goes off on a tangent. Which characters haven't we talked about much? <laughs> got to spread that love, you know? All right, final question from me. You know, there's always the Star Wars, Star Trek rivalry that was alluded to earlier in the episode. So the only really comparable portions of the franchises that I thought I could put together in a fight was the USS Enterprise versus a Super Star Destroyer. Who wins? Who wins in that battle, guys? What do you got, Stacey? Because I'm going to go full nerd on my answer. I'm going with the <laughs> with the USS Enterprise. Shit. Mm, because it seems pretty robust. It survives this entire movie, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> and I know that Sam will have some kind of well-researched answer supporting the opposing craft. Mm. Before, Hang on. Before you get into Sam's, I do want to – what you just said is very important. It survives this entire movie. Yes. That's a good point when comparing it to the other thing. But go on, Sam. That is true. Immediately I thought it's a Super Star Destroyer because the Super Star Destroyer is packing a shitload of TIE Fighters, TIE Bombers, TIE Interceptors, all of those things that Stacey has no idea what they are that could literally just sort of take it out from a range. But then I was thinking, and Star Trekies might correct me on this, but spaceships in the Star Trek universe, you can teleport between the two of them as long as their shields are down. They've got technology to stop you from teleporting into that. There's no teleportation in the Star Wars universe, so I don't I think the Star Wars universe, like shipbuilders, have ever come up with the idea of stopping things being able to teleport into each other. So I was thinking, for the Star Trek guys, they'd just look at the Star Destroyer and go, sweet, let's just teleport a fucking bomb into the middle of that thing. Job done. Good point. Nice. So you're going with the USS Enterprise. Yeah, not to mention that as awesome as Executor, the Super Star Destroyer is in the original trilogy, it gets taken down by a fucking A-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It crashes into it crashes into the bridge, and then that's it for that superstar destroyer. Exactly. I think we're all on the same wavelength there. <laughs> all right, my questions. Cool. Okay, question seventeen. Cast an animal to be um, the onboard crew pet. Now, what made me think of this is we watched a couple of movies recently. Alien, where they have a cat on board, and Captain Marvel. They also have flurkins in the shape of cats. And I thought, hey, we don't have any pets on this. Aircraft. <laughs> what do you want? Fair enough. One of the things that made me fall in love the most with Star Wars was the fact they had Chewie wandering around and he was awesome. And I was like, what's the closest thing to Chewie? A giant bear. So I just want this big <laughs> fuck off grizzly just roaming the corridors of the USS Enterprise. A trained bear? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and he's, he's like Chekhov's best friend. You, We know Russians love hanging out with bears. Why not? There we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. I went the more Trekkie route. So there's an episode in the original series called The Trouble with Tribbles. Ah. And a Tribble is basically this furry little thing that looks like a Furby, essentially, you know, yeah. if you don't, if you're, if you're not yeah. familiar. And so I just said that. I just said Kirk would have that like on his armrest of his captain's chair, just, you know, <laughs> petting it Dr. Evil style uh, as they're accomplishing their mission. Oh, that's cool. All right, what you got next there, Stace? Okay, question 18. We love a bit of a match-up, so who's the hottest Chris? Hemsworth or Pine? God, you're a dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) You guys will know. (laughs) Usually when I see who's the hottest Chris, I think all four are eligible. Like you got, so Pratt and Evans are out of this one. We're just going, Chris is in this movie, (laughs) right? Okay, so it's got to be Hemsworth. He's like godly, you know, like he's Thor. He's the god of thunder. However, I'm going to slide myself in here with a little backhanded compliment. I'm going Hemsworth, even though some people say I look like Chris Pine. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, that's the right answer, Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you were going for when you wrote this. I mean, Hemsworth is the obvious answer. In this movie, he just... 
make sense because he's just like this loving, caring, part American, part Australian every now and then sort of <laughs> like father. <laughs> and he's like, he's, he's the right answer. Like Chris Pine is just the bad boy. He's like, he want to make you feel as safe and secure as Chris Hemsworth. I'm, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop. Yeah, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's just a simple one word answer. Thanks. Yes, I'm discovering a part of me I didn't know I had. This is... <laughs> Okay, and moving right along before you get too awkward. Question 19. <laughs> what other old school TV show would you like to see rebooted? It's already had a recent reboot, a great reboot, but I would still be down for another Battlestar Galactica, Ooh. especially a movie kind of like this where they do a soft reboot of the of the series in some way. I love the, the 2000s you know, series that came out. I think it was, I can't remember if it was five seasons or... Something like that, plus or minus one or two. But uh, yeah. I'm going to go with a sci-fi TV show that I absolutely loved as a child. I used to tune in every week and watch it when I can on all of New Zealand's two TV channels <laughs> <laughs> back, back in the 80s. Man, we, yeah, we're lucky we had electricity back then, to be honest. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Quantum Leap. I loved Quantum Leap, and I don't know whether I'd want it as a film or as another TV show, but it lends itself to so many cool historical things. Yeah, everyone loves a good time That's a good one. Man, Mm. people don't remember that show. That's a great show. Good answers, guys. And that moves us down to our last question, which is a listener question, one that we threw out there to you guys to answer for us. But before we get into your guys' answers and just generally sort of judge you, mock you, take the piss out of you, (laughs) all that sort of fun stuff, we're going to give our answers, which... I mean, this film's great. Well, obviously, we all enjoy it. We all think it's pretty damn awesome. But is this the best reboot, remake, reimagining, whatever of all time? Or what do we think is better than this? Mine's a totally different genre. But it's one of my favourite classic movies from that I watched in my childhood. But actually, the 1939 version of The Wizard of Oz, Judy Garland classic that everyone remembers, that was actually a remake. There were actually three other films in a stage musical prior Holy shit. Yeah. Look at the film, nerd. I actually did not know that. <laughs> that is... Wow. And an animated. One of them was animated, actually. So before this one, but clearly this is the one everyone remembers, Judy Garland. This is phenomenal, Stacey. This yes. is the most research you've ever done for a podcast ever. Well, I had to because it's about reboots and stuff, and I had to Google <laughs> something. <laughs> what is a reboot? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome just dropping knowledge bombs i didn't know that yeah i have a question for this question excellent go right ahead. is mad max fury road considered a reboot and i've seen this pop up on your twitter about this some other some other listeners had the same question i didn't want to chime in because i knew i was going to appear on this episode <laughs> so i didn't want to get my thoughts out there too early I'd say so but what's your opinion on that see i'd say so like i know paul from the countdown podcast giving away one of the listener responses early uh, he said it's not he feels like it's just a sequel it's a direct sequel to the original trilogy but i don't feel like it is i feel like it messes with the timelines a bit because I, I read like a mad max timeline I, I think this is like a variation or a deviation from that maybe but if it is, I would say that 100%. But I could also see it function. It functions both ways. It, it's like a soft reboot slash continuation of the main storyline or whatever. Yeah. So if it's not, then Ocean's Eleven, the George Clooney Ocean's Ooh. Eleven, is a reboot, is a remake of the Frank Sinatra Ocean's Eleven. So that's a more pure remake. So that's my answer. Yes. yes. Final Good answer. On. Have you seen the original? The like the yeah Frank Sinatra version. I have not. <laughs> I watched half an hour and gave up. I've seen. Yeah, I was like, "This is oh no, this isn't that good." Like they've done really good things with the George Clooney version. That one, oh, that's a bummer. That's one that you see the cast list, and it's it's more fun than the actual movie, probably. Yeah. What have you got, Sam? I'm going to go with one that we've discussed previously, which is the thing. I just love that movie. It's a remake of a film from like the 1930s. Doesn't really have much in common with that film, but it's yeah, it's awesome. Kurt Russell, ugh. <laughs> As great as Ocean's Eleven is, if Fury Road is not a reboot or remake, the thing is a better is the best reboot or remake. I, I forget that it's a reboot or remake because it, it is very dissimilar to the other one. Yeah. But yeah, great answer there. 
And that throws us over to Twitter, where we'll go. Well, yeah, we'll go first with Twitter, and then move on to our Facebook answers as well. The Trope Stormtroopers podcast said Batman Begins. Brian McCree said The Thing. It was the first one that came to his mind, but he also would say Ocean's Eleven. So there you go. He's on the same level as us. Paul, as we mentioned from the Countdown podcast, who is going to be on our show soon to talk about Basic Instinct, and we're going to be over on their show as well. Reckons that we are nailing it pretty well of the 09 Star Trek, but the other awesome one is Zack Schneider's Dawn of the Dead. And who doesn't want to see a crossover of those two films? Fast Zombies taking over the Enterprise. Hell yes. Holy shit, that's an idea, Paul. <laughs> I've got to give Dead Space, the movie. <laughs> I've got to give it to him. Like That is one of the few Zack Snyder films that I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. I'm looking at you like you've seen this. But. I really like the 2004 Dawn of the Dead. It's a really good zombie movie. Yeah. It's not quite, you know, the Night of the Living Dead or 28 Days Later. It might be the third, fourth best zombie movie ever. That's true. It's very respectable. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Never mind. That's a really, yeah, never mind. It's top five. It's a good one. It's a good yeah, one. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Cinema Guys also said the thing. A trailer Junkies podcast said, does Lord of the Rings count? Because uh, there's a 1978 animated feature of Lord of the Rings so that's yeah why not if that counts that changes my answer again (laughs) (laughs) Emily Higgins who we mentioned from the Tasteless Podcast said the 1999 mummy counts right (laughs) (laughs) took that ratty old black and white mummy and made him a hot bald guy Oh, thanks, Emily. <laughs> Anyone that says bald guys are hot gives in his yeah, past. Pan- no, no, Emily, you're winning at the, the moment. Host there. <laughs> Colby Mack quite interestingly said the Karate Kid. Silence all around there, Colby. That's my only response. <laughs> sorry, man. I love you, dude. But... Sorry, Colby. Steve from Everything I Learned from Movies said, I'm not sure if Mad Max Fury Road qualifies, but if not, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. What? Or Wicker Man. Oh, I'm with you there with Wicker Man, Steve. What? There's an original Wicker Man without Nick Cage in it. Yes, there is. And it's a very awesome horror movie. But Nicolas Cage's Wicker Man is like an 11 out of 10. It's amazing. He took a big jump off a cliff there with like, I love Mad Max Fury Road. But if that one doesn't count, then these other kind of <laughs> shitty movies. <laughs> Scalzi95 said, hard to admit this is a man, but the latest Star is Born was amazing. I said, good on you, man, but there's no way in hell I'm going to watch that movie. <laughs> I, that's a, I like that movie. That's a, that's a decent choice. Fad Views said, Top Gun, I'm calling it. Whoa, there's a bit of a prediction. Oh, the new one. Yeah. Oh, that's not even out. Oh. No, not even out yet. We're exactly <laughs> old. Is he prime? Is he Spark Prime? Does he <laughs> exactly. know these things? Like, I think that's going to be a sequel because I'm pretty sure Cruz is in it. You could say soft reboot, I guess. Mm. But he also threw out there Batman Begins. MC Myers threw about five at us. Evasions of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Shin Godzilla, The Thing, Scarface, True Grit, and Nosferatu. And Casino Royale could win for both categories. Interesting. Uh, the Nomcast said, A lot of the best ones have been said, but I'd like to give some shine for Rise of the Planet of the Apes for doing an excellent job of bringing back after what Burton did to it. <laughs> it's so true. That's very true. Did some massive heavy heavy lifting. And Mum, I'm sorry, said the recent Jumanji movie. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah you, you refused to go see it. It was a it's lot fun. more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's it's definitely very fun. It's You should watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, still kind of a sequel because the original, I think, still takes in that universe. I'm not trying to shit on everyone's <laughs> definition of a remake and a reboot, but... Yes, but it's like, come on, people. Like Stacy in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, but also people, come on, answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> Do... A percentage of the research that Stacy put into this question. <laughs> Come on. Just just like Google what is a remake. Exactly. That's all we're asking. So true. Over to our Facebook community, and we've got a couple of messages over there. Nick McAllister said the Manchurian Candidate from 2004. Now, admittedly, I, I remember thinking the original Manchurian Candidate from like, I think it's like 68 or something like that was, wasn't bad. The Denzel remake is like, it's pretty decent. So good on you, Nick. That's a pretty good pick. Believe when we watch the thing, who are on our upcoming episode next where we talk about godzilla he said that he's a star trek apologist nothing to apologize billy except for your love of tommy boy that's all i've got to say i can't believe that nobody brought up ghostbusters have i got some news for you <laughs> two of our messages jesse said casino royale and akash you know old Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. he wrote in and said ghostbusters or oceans eight take your pick <gasps> oceans eight and ghostbusters in the same <laughs> sentence wow he, he then said Fast and the Furious 4? He seems to think that was a complete reboot after what happened with Tokyo Drift. And I was like, mate, boy, come on, bro. Come on. But then he said Mad Max Fury Road. Just do math. <laughs> Just do math. Does it have the number four in it? It's probably the fourth version of something. Yes. Yeah, that check, you fucking moron. <laughs> 
You know what I particularly love? Furious 7, the seventh installment of this franchise. Great oh, reboot. Uh, great remake yes. of the previous six yeah. movies. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's a reimagining of Tokyo Drift. That's all it is. It's, just- <laughs> yeah, it's a reimagining. Do your homework. <laughs> Anywho, that takes us down to the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for everyone for listening. And a massive thanks to our Patreons as well for giving us those questions in the top 10. As well as our little Patreons that help us pay for some of the films that I've had to go see recently, like Detective Pikachu, or Aladdin, or Godzilla, King of Monsters, or X-Men Dark Phoenix, and I'm pretty sure you'll fucking hate me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but all those thanks aside, the biggest thanks goes to this man, John Mark Jenkins, for coming on the show and absolutely crushing it. Thank you so much, John. Hey, thanks, guys. I had a blast doing this. I had a blast thinking about your questions while I was rewatching the movie. And yeah, check out Junk About Movies on all your podcasting platforms i do a variety of things tournaments anniversary episodes top 10 lists just you name it everything junk about movies essentially and uh i've had sam on before look forward to having both sam and stacy on potentially in the future again and uh yeah i would love to run through 20 questions about a movie anytime with you guys thanks for having oh excellent man stacy's a very tough guest to get on other people's podcasts (laughs) yeah i don't do that well i'm usually not nerdy enough hey it's junk about movies so it's anything under the sun related to movies so i'll I'll, Maybe I'll DM you separately yeah. and we'll find out something that you like and then we'll force Sam. Yes. Yeah, that How sounds that? cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as with all of our guests that we get on the show, I don't get them on unless I really enjoy their podcast as well. And John's podcast is awesome. We'll have some links down in the show notes, stuff like that. It was an absolute blast to go on with you and talk about Captain Marvel and our predictions for where the MCU might be going. That was an awesome episode. As well as being part of your 100th episode, man. That was like a legit amount of fun. Yeah, and uh, I'd have to say to the to the, your listeners, go listen to my episode that Sam was on about Captain Marvel, uh, where I believe in the next 10 years you will hear some of Sam's predictions for the MCU coming <laughs> true because the stars are aligning, my friend. Yes. Everything you brought up is kind of how they're angling towards, so well done. Yeah. <laughs> Stacey, I'm not, I'm not sure if you appreciate it or not, but Sam went full Rain Man on the MCU, the future of the MCU, and he's... He's going to be right. They should hire him. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. I, I get the full rundown. Yep. She sends the 17,000 tweets I send at Kevin Feige daily. <laughs> One day he'll answer, damn it. One day. That's awesome. And anywho, that is the end of our podcast. If you like the show and want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In. You can find us on Facebook at Movie Reviews In 20Qs. You can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. As we discuss some upcoming episodes of ours is Godzilla with the boys from We Watch the Film. Thing. every single one of my friends absolutely refused to go see this movie and i can't say i flame them <laughs> so i've got the two boys from we watch the thing over to go through 20 questions about that film other episodes upcoming after that is uh an episode on basic instinct with me stacy and the countdown podcast boys silence of the lambs with emily higgins from the tasteless podcast dark phoenix we're going to throw an episode out on that soon and that all pretty much leads us up to a hundredth episode which will probably be edited and on our patreon soon and where you can listen to it for princely sim of one dollar where 10 of us basically go through 20 random questions one of the questions was john's and uh, 10 other questions it was a lot of fun anywho thanks again john it's been amazing and uh yeah that's thanks for me thanks thanks guys 